0: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here again uh, as we continue our journey, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, it really has been a powerful year so far, I reckon, you know, and I'm always amazed at what comes out of these nights. And Paul and I were just chatting throughout the week, you know, who could have thought what would have come out of a night on hospitality, you know? All of a sudden, things are coming to light that I hadn't even thought of before, but the Holy Spirit is just speaking and ministering. Um, you know, through each of the, the panel members and the questions and the dialogue. So it's been fantastic, eh? Um, tonight we've got a very special topic for you, just like normal. Um, we're going to be looking at the gift of mercy. Um, so it's talked about in Romans chapter 12. Um, you don't need to turn there. I'll, I'll turn there. And um, then... Oh, sorry, I'll just... <laughs> Always a paper... So it says this, just a nice pause, you know, getting everyone yeah. in the groove. <laughs> Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Of prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, of service and his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality and he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so we've looked at a number of these other gifts. We've looked at, um, we, we've looked at um, hospitality, we've looked at the gift of faith, we've looked at the gift of teaching. Um, and now we're on to um, one of these last, um, last gifts in this little passage of Romans. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness and um you know I, I feel like throughout this series what we've really been looking at is it's the is the multifaceted the manifold wisdom of God all of these gifts show a different facet of who God is they're not separate gifts that's that while individuals might have a certain gifting on them and a particular gracing to operate and to move, really they're just aspects of Christ and who He is. And that's particularly so with the gift of mercy. Um, you know, the, like, throughout the series, there's been different emphasis on different gifts. You know, The gift of prophecy, we, we focus more on this apostolic confrontation, the ability to proclaim God's truth. Whereas here in the gift of mercy, This is, like we talked about this morning, it's not either or, but these are two different sides of the same coin, which is Christ. So in the gift of mercy, we see this this gentleness, this softness, this kindness um, coming forth out of the the nature of who Christ is, which isn't opposed to confrontation or... um, or anything like that, actually it's, it's in perfect harmony with it. And you'll see as Jesus ministers, he's able to minister out of these different giftings for an appropriate moment. For a woman caught in adultery, he's able to, to minister in mercy. But for the Pharisees who who were trying to get this woman trapped in adultery and have her stoned, he was able to operate in a really firm and upfront confrontational way, both within the same context, hey? And so tonight we're going to be looking at the gift of mercy, um, and this um, we're looking at you know this different dimension, this softness, this gentleness um, that Christ had, which I think is fantastic. Hey, eh? um, we need all the attributes of Christ, and um, we need the fullness of who He is in the body, but also living inside of us. Same, eh? is that cool? Yeah. All right, so we've got um, got a couple of scriptures to look at tonight. We started with one, um, and throughout the course of This afternoon we've now got three, (laughs) Um, so we might start with the first one um, and then we'll see where we go. So we've got um, the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Just take a mental note that with my paper Bible, I got there quicker than Sandra with her electronic version. <laughs> Payback. <laughs> All right, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Mercy, yeah. <laughs> Having mercy on you, we're not getting started
1: yet. <laughs> I don't think that was neither mercy or grace, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, verse 30.
0: Jesus replied and said, actually let's read from, um, let's read from verse 25. And the lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test saying, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you'll live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came and banished up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put, his, put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, which I re- and when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three, this is Jesus talking, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy towards him. Then Jesus said, Go and do the same. Powerful little passage, hey? Generally the kind of passage that you hear about if you go to Sunday school when you're a kid, but then you generally don't hear much about it <laughs> um, further than that. But actually there's, a really, there's some really profound points in here that are so relevant, not just for a kid's Bible study, um, but for us today. And so we'll use this as a springboard um, to talk about mercy and then we'll probably get to some of these other scriptures that we're looking at a little bit later on. And so I put here um, as a first question, um, well, to to give a bit of context, I think mercy can have some negative connotations, you know, think about people who are merciful, you normally think of it like a soft floppy fish kind of a thing, or someone that's a a doormat, you know, but actually mercy is a really powerful and strong position, it shows strength of character, um, it shows capacity on the inside. It shows being the bigger person. Um, and so if mercy isn't just being a doormat, then my, the first question that I have for our panel tonight, then what? what is it? What is genuine godly mercy?
1: Like... Like you're saying to start with, you know, just a thing about during the week of trying to see it in the context of of the whole. Like it's the mercies and aspect of the divine nature. And so, like a rainbow, no one goes, Oh, look, a purple in the sky. It's a rainbow and it has all the colours in it, but you might want to focus or see one part of it. And so, this part of what, you know, the Lord's expressing through these nights is touching on different aspects of it, which is, we were talking during the week, so closely linked to the DNA, so love being expressed in the divine nature of God, which is expressed through his gifts. And so with, with mercy, I you know, see the person who has the power to extend mercy is the one who has the power over something. And so it becomes this, this gracious place and I see in the um, in the parable, and by the way, if anyone ever wonders about parables and actuals, the parables never mention a person's name, so they're usually just stories about an example of and so which changed a little bit when we possibly will read the next one about the woman but with the with the Samaritan and man. Jesus knew how to stick it in the face of the Pharisees because he didn't just talk about someone else who came along. He picked their enemies. Yeah. So now a Pharisee comes along. And it was interesting that he, the two examples prior, he talks of a priest and the priestly servant, which is what, who we are uh, to be. So he takes the pinnacle of their righteousness and then confronts him with the pinnacle of the unrighteousness. And then it mentions of the Samaritan that he saw this wounded character and has compassion on him. So when I when we read on towards the end of it and you see that he says that you know he has mercy, it's, to me that's the outward expression of the inner posture and the nature that sits within. And so compassion needs to be expressed. So in this place, here we've got um, an example being shown out to these guys who judged themselves more righteous and more highly than they ought, which is not the nature that Jesus was bringing. And so it gives them an example of saying, well, who, who do you think? If, let's reverse it, if you were the wounded guy, what do you think you would have liked to have happened? What is the nature you would hope is expressed in the person that's walking past? And this, I believe, is the nature that God's actually bringing it because it's the nature of him that is to be brought to life in us.
0: And I, I, find, I find it interesting, you know, that you're talking about it's a nature that's to live within us that then gets expressed through a particular situation, eh, you know? And the guy in this passage here, he wasn't actually going looking to have mercy on people. (laughs) He was on a journey, you know, like he was just about daily life, about daily business. And yet, because of the mercy that's within him, it's enough to stop him in his tracks and take care of what then became the most pressing and important thing to him, which was to show love and to show mercy on the person on the side of the road, hey, you know. And I just think, you know, like how easy is it to get. Just caught up in day to day life and not notice people, you know, and not notice like opportunities to, to show mercy. And I think that to me, that's what the divine nature does. It's um, you, you you don't you don't go looking for opportunities, but you see opportunities because of this because there's love in your heart. And so when something pops up, you respond out of who you are. Whereas someone else um, either would have. Just not noticed it, or would have crossed towards the other side of the road eh and the sense that I get is like on the on um, on the terrace where, where I work be, because they know that people come out and about at lunchtime they 've always got those like UNICEf or like you know like money hunters you know and they are like and they, they and they like they 're so like like getting into your grill, you know? Like, they don't just let you walk past them. And so you know when you see, like, the blue uniform that everyone literally, you see, like, the the Red Sea part, you know, (laughs) like, people literally walk to the other side of the road because they don't want to have to deal with saying no to people asking for their money, you know? And that's, like, I feel like it's what's going on in this passage here, you know? Like, Like, these guys here, they cross to the other side of the road because, like... It's 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 not just that they don't have mercy; they don't have the capacity in them to actually walk past the guy and confront the situation in front of him, and at least be real. Hey, I'm I'm sorry that you're in this position. Look, I honestly can't help you right now. They just they just avoid the situation, you know. Um, and and so I think like what like we're talking about mercy is not being a doormat. It doesn't necessarily mean that every single person who asks you for money or asks you for help you'll give it. But it means that you've got the capacity in you to minister love when it's needed, you know, and when the Holy Spirit leads, um, you don't have to walk away from situations; you can walk through them. Hey, so. it's uh,
1: the thing that kept coming to me as I was looking at this was about because these are spiritual gifts that are birthed within, and those, as we're reading, for some a gift, this, this gift. Though we're not all apostles, we're all to be all apostolic. So one may have a gift of mercy, and it's interesting that it says so. do so cheerfully. If we remember and think about the person who has authority and has a, a power, it's, it's not about um, exerting that in pride, I have mercy on you. That's <laughs> not mercy at all. It's just pride speaking. So f- so for us, with the nature of God formed in us, are uh, I'll say it this way, because I mean myself as well. Are you mercy, full? Yeah. If you are, then you will be merciful. Yeah. And so the nature of him is formed within us, that's expressed. And when you we look at um, Peter and John, like the Samaritan here, pulls out the, the money, a day's wages, another day's wages, and by the way, if there's going to be a few more, I'll fix up the tab when I get back. Great faith on the publican's part, but well, the innkeeper's part, but there we go. And yet, here we have another case where it says, Oh, give me some money. Gold and silver have I none. So bad luck for you, see ya. No, but because mercy is within him. Not judging himself or themselves now more holy or more righteous. They're able to turn and be able to give what they can give. What I do have... Which is a heart full. It's a capacity to love you, not to go, doubt it, Jack. But it's a it's a capacity to recognise and, and to reach out to you. And what I do have, I'll give to you. And that that comes from a posture, I believe, of actually having received mercy Himself. Yes. Can I, You know what I showed you in the cafe? I do that now, um, Josh, right. Here's something I prepared earlier. <laughs> Always pay to have a Josh on your side. <laughs> um, if you, if you can, this is what I'm saying about um, understanding having received mercy and not just being, as we heard the other day, about being a recipient of it because there are plenty who are recipients of Jesus' teaching but never received it. And so I can hear and receive in here and now actually it becomes who I am. And so, it's something that was shared to me a while back. And if you can imagine God the Father and the Son on the throne, crowns on their head. And Josh, under conviction, comes and stands before the judge. And the judge looks at him and passes judgment. guilty (laughs) and the sentence is death see the wages of sin is death there's no other outcome for you no matter what you're going to plead you're guilty and the sentence is death and then the father and son look at each other and they know (laughs) Or you wait they know Because they know there was no other outcome for him. Because there's a capacity in here, because the nature is love. Judgment to be righteous must judge. So there can be only one outcome for that judgment to be right. So the sun goes. And he knows what's up for him. That was mercy just extended. Because you can see. That was mercy just extended as Christ takes the place and takes the judgment. The price had to be paid. I will pay the price. I know who I am. I am secure in who I am. Even though you may have scorned and scoffed at me and lived a life completely as my enemy in that while you were yet sinners, I died for you and extend mercy to you. Thanks, Josh. So Peter knew this because he knew his posture previously and now was a recipient of mercy. He was a receiver of mercy. He was a liver and deliverer of mercy. That was pretty good. I not mean that. That just came out. It's
0: powerful, eh? You know, and I think it's in the midst of having received that kind of love and that kind of mercy that you you're wrecked, eh? You know, like it, it brings you to your knees. And I think it's what it says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, you know, because you taste something and you see something that is more than what you've ever tasted of before, eh? You know, um, and so it's humbling in a good way, you know. Cool
2: um, when you look at um, those with mercy to to do it with cheerfulness, the cheerfulness is the same word we get hilarious hilarity. you know God loves a hilarious giver <laughs> and it and it's there's an aspect of it there's so much joy that there's this readiness that comes with the the joy now. What is going, what is going to do that inner work that causes that? That that not only can you give joyfully with with a readiness and a quickness, um, but you can actually extend mercy with the same. That's only going to happen if you've received it, and you know all the way through. Um, this this subject of mercy is the very essence of what we receive. You know, and and Paul talks about us being vessels of mercy, and he was of of the because he was such the worst of sinners um, mm. that he he was he was the one that went before to demonstrate God's patience, and so the the reality f- for us having received mercy, each one of us is that this would be the overflow. That instead of out for the last pound of flesh, we actually don't have that in our heart anymore. And the I think context in this is really important, because we often just look at the parable. But it's, what is the context? You know, the, the context, as I read it, is that Jesus is, is rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, that God has, um, Father has chosen to hide this from the wise and the intelligent and reveal it and that no one comes you know no one knows the father unless the the son reveals the father to him and there's this new way that's that's that is now actually it's like he's spoken that and now he knows that this is all just going to come in a lovely demonstration for you because this guy's going to come up and he's going to say what do I do <laughs> you know <laughs> so he's in a totally different Frame of mind that is trying to make oneself good enough for God, and and you know even the the to justify himself, he's asking who is my neighbour, because it's all about ticking the boxes. So so in order for me to give something, I who is it I'm supposed to give it to? rather than it coming from an inner place. And those, those three guys, there's one big, big difference to me is two of them saw and one of them felt. You know, there was a movement and the, the, the compassion is this moving on the inner man. That's what it means. And that moved with compassion is the same moved with compassion that um, the, the father of the prodigal son when he saw him far far away he was moved with compassion ran to him you know it is the heartbeat and it is the inner life of who we are who our father is you know and it it is to bring us into a totally different life so we're now no longer saying in order to fulfil the law, what exactly do I have to do? Who exactly is my neighbour? Who is, and splitting hairs, and and it's all about doing the right thing. And the the Levite and the priest, you know, they were avoiding that because of their priestly duties. You know, they they were not allowed to be stained by death. You know, to do their priestly duties. And he was saying there is something greater here. You know, he he says. So many times he he's directly speaks to them. You know, you're, you're so into tithing your little every herb and everything, but you have neglected the the weightier things of the law, and mercy's right in there. Justice, Murchis, um, mercy, and what's the other one? I've got it here somewhere. Um, but it, it's just that the reality of what what he came to bring us into is... Um, faithfulness there you go justice mercy and faithfulness so it's all to bring us into this other life that can only be revealed by the son by the spirit and and it is a is a, a exchange of life that comes not from understanding and ticking boxes and doing the right thing but becoming like Christ and now we're we are compelled by Righteousness, not about being right.
0: And I think that you know, is sharing Sandra about with cheerfulness is is so essential, eh? You know, because anyone can show mercy, but not anyone can show mercy with cheerfulness. You know, yeah. that that I think you know, Jesus says, "Is um, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down of my own accord." You know, and so the. The guards turning up to take Jesus, you know, to the cross with swords and clubs and spears and, and whatever, you know. It's not like Jesus is out there ministering and, you know, they've finally managed to pin him down and surround him and it's this big showdown. He says, No, no no one's taken it from me. I'm not a victim here. I'm being nailed to a cross, but I'm not a victim, you know. Because in this in a click of the fingers I could call legions of angels You see what I'm saying? So I think this is why mercy is a full place, not an empty place. It's not something that you do when you've come to the end of yourself and you don't have anything anymore. It's actually having, you've already been to that place, and you've been given mercy, you've received what you didn't deserve, and now you can administer out of a full place, you know? And you can lay down your life because you have received mercy, you've got nothing to lose anymore, you know? Um, And so I feel like it's a really different place than like, yeah, just reaching this point where you're you're hemmed in on every side, and finally you just have to, you know, give up the give up the ghost because there's no other way. You know, um, it's it's much bigger than that, eh? So, um, I, I find another really interesting part of this this passage here is that, you know, in verse 36, Jesus asks a question. And he says, "Oh, which of which of these? Oh, there we go. Which of these do you think proved?" To be a neighbour to the man who fell into the robbers' hands, you know, and it's interesting that mercy wasn't something that was just done; it was something that was proved, you know, um, and that in showing mercy, he proved that he was his neighbour, you know. Um, yeah, you know. what is it? Be re- be, be renewed. Um, oh,
3: you...
2: So, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you prove the will of God. You know what is um, pleasing, acceptable, and perfect. So there's a there's a demonstration, and you can't demonstrate what you don't have inside. Yeah. You know, you literally can't. You might be able to be merciful, and the thing, the thing with this, there's always, and it's the same with hospitality. And I think we, it, it's so easy to focus just on the external. But it must come from an internal place, or else it's like anybody in the world. You know what I mean? But that there is, that's why this cheerfulness is a key, because um, everything is being done by the power within you that is Christ. It's not being done in your own strength, in your own flesh. That whole list of things, you know, you speak the words of God. Well, you're not going to do that in your own strength and understanding, you know so it's in that list with everything else and it's the empowering of Christ in you that allows you to do this and it's like this mercy's coming out of me. where's that coming from? Oh that that'll be him because I know what my old self would do you know you know and it's and that's the reality so it becomes more and more of a demonstration of a people that have received mercy, you know. That, that it's not about us being goody two-shoes it's actually about us having received something because <laughs> we really needed something yeah. and now we can give it
0: yeah for sure and I, I feel like that's so different to like probably how you naturally see things is that you go through a situation say at work and you've got a frustrating boss and day in day out you know he's doing things that you don't like and you just kind of take it you know and you take it and you take it and you take it and then one day you just explode you know and that's not mercy right you know like while your actions might have been merciful in many moments of frustration actually if you genuinely were merciful the moments of frustration wouldn't actually be moments of frustration they wouldn't be like notches that Just keep adding up until the point where you can't take it anymore and you let loose, you know. Um, I think if it's genuine mercy, you like someone else's behavior doesn't have the authority to impact you in that way. So you're not stacking up, you know, frustration. You're actually genuinely okay. And you can be treated badly and love because love's been formed within you, hey, you know. Um,
2: In fact, you can come in the opposite spirit. And that's, that's a beyond beyond just taking it. but because I don't yeah, the, the doormat thing is just not it's not it. <laughs> because a, 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 a doormat is like that. You know, you're you just, "Oh, I've just got to take it, I've just got to take it." But inside, you're fuming. Yeah. That, that's not mercy. That's not anything of inner strength. That's just, that's just I don't know what it is, but it's not. Or yeah, and maybe avoid conflict or whatever. But actually, the stuff is still eating you up up inside, yeah. and um, that's that is not who we are, you know.
0: Yeah. I had a situation with my boss, um, or my old old boss, a, a little year, a, a couple of years back, when um, I had been working in this particular job for quite a long time, and I felt like it, it was time to move on and do something else. And so, out of wanting to be transparent and open to him I let him know that I was you know looking that I was you know looking to take an interview for another job um, and all along he had been so encouraging of me expanding my horizons and looking you know at, at a future career path and, and and we were all on board until the fact came where I actually had an interview you know um, and 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 then I had the interview and all of a sudden it was time for reference checks you know oh. And it went from being we are absolutely best buds to we that he was, it was like a switch just got flipped, you know. And he went and did absolutely everything in his power, including a phone call to my new boss-to-be to say that they couldn't let me go. And he's talked to our regional director and did all of these things. Um, for, for all of our you know going through our senior management within the organization to say that it wasn 't appropriate for me to be moving into this new role because they needed me in the old role you know and I remember just that like in, in that in that situation i felt I, I felt something come up and i was like man i 've i 've worked so hard for you. the only reason he didn 't want me to go was because the team overall wasn 't doing well, and I was boosting the numbers you know and so it 's really it was just he needed, he needed me, not because he wanted me to be there, but because I made him look good, you know? Um, and that was about to end. And I remember I, I remember something welled up within me that I was like, man, this is, this is so unfair. I've worked for you so hard. And then it reaches a stage where you're treating me in this way. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just arrested my heart in that moment. And I feel like, and, and he said to, I felt I spoke this scripture, and he said, "You know, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Why am I thinking about my boss serving me? Am I not still in this role to serve him and not to be served by him? You know, and it just—it was a real." I don't know, I don't have a rebuke in my house. Was, there, was a, there was a, like, it was just a realigning in my thinking that I had started to go down this destructive thought pattern of yeah. he owes me something, you know? And it was in that moment that I was like, actually, like, I, I felt like he he ministered mercy to me and said, Son of Man didn't come to be served, yeah. but to serve. That he said, my my role in while I'm still working for him is to serve him, you know? <laughs> And I ended up going on and, and getting the job, and that was fine, but it was I was able to then go on and get the job, but without a sense of bitterness and frustration. And we left on interesting terms where I was totally cool with him, but he wasn't totally cool with me, you know? And it, and it just meant that when, whenever I see him, I can go and say hi, and I can, appre- I can celebrate with him when the team's going well. and You know, like... Because there's no bitterness or animosity, because I realize actually I don't need anything from him. I need to be who I need to be to him, until the time when it's time to move on, but even then, that doesn't change who I am, you know? Um, and so it was a time of really learning what, what does it mean to have mercy on someone else's behavior that definitely wasn't appropriate, but didn't need to impact who I was, and for me to respond in a different spirit, like you're saying, Sandra, too. Um, to what was coming at me so
1: and a, and a key in that is what was revealed to you <clears throat> so we we hear the saying that you know um, grace is getting what you don't deserve, uh, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve, and so when we recognize where we stand before the Lord and realize why why it is that or what it is that we're received that mercy has been extended to us but if I don't see that I need mercy I don't understand that I've received mercy so there comes times when the Lord leads you into the garden you know or leads you into the office and you know similar and realise that this "Mm, what is this I know the kingdom of God and that's not that this rising up within me, but I've got nowhere else to go but to you, Lord. I can't try and be better, because what what then is expressed? It's like you said, Sandra. It's whatever it is. I know it's not mercy. It's coping until I don't cope. <laughs> so someone's going out that window, either you or me. <laughs> you know, and well, that's that's not the way of Christ, and so the Lord has to take us to a place and I'm grateful that he's taken me there so that he can show me my heart in a way that I have a greater capacity to see, to know, to understand. So that when the Lord reveals to me, he says, what you're doing right now in that direction, son, that is you to me. Do you see this? Oh. Oh, that's not so good, is it? (laughs) No, it's not. But what did I do to you? I extend mercy. And not only do I extend mercy, now I receive and I place mercy in you. So now there's a capacity with you. Will you choose life over death? That you now can be merciful to someone who is coming at you. You said, Paul, that I work as unto the Lord. Not for you. Oh, really? <laughs> or oh, really. <laughs> You'll find out, son. And now that when it's push comes to shove, yeah. I needed to take you to the garden to say those were just words, son. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to take you out of the garden and I put my capacity in you. Mm-hmm. So this is revealed now. And I love what you are saying before, you know, about, like I've got apple tree, plum tree, lemon tree, blueberry bush tree. (laughs) The apple tree will not actively go out to try and prove itself. It'll prove that it's an apple tree. The fruit will be bearing it. And so so the nature will prove when you're given an environment for that to, to come up. Now... If it doesn't, it's, it's not okay that it doesn't. It's okay that it doesn't. <laughs> what I'm saying is that it's to show, to reveal, it's a purpose so that I can go, here I am. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. I come to you that this will be formed within me. Where else can I go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Speak.
0: All right, shall we move on? Do you want
2: to do that? Do yeah, I, do, I just, um, I really, when we were looking at this, I just kept on coming to that um, parable of um, the master with his two, uh, with his slave, you know, that he, he comes and he pleads for mercy mm-hmm. because he's got this massive big debt that he can't pay. and um, And then his response when he's, you know, um, forgiven his debt, um, where, where he's out for his pound of flesh with the someone that owes him. And it's just, you know, this, this whole, you know, it, it, it's the reality of our responsibility <laughs> that, that we can't just be a receiver, you know. It, it's not actually all just about us. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I think that this thing really is so important that he's taught about it in so many different ways yeah. about, you know, you have been recipients of mercy and and that's not to hold it to yourself. It is actually so that you become different and you're able to let go. And, you know, and I I, I've, I think it's... It's great because it does come out in all sorts of situations, you know. And um, you know, I had something quite recently where I felt to to, um, to say something, but I'd probably been a little bit sort of hard in the way I s- said it, and 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 there was a response back about it. Um, now I kn- I knew that what I was saying I needed to say but um but it was like when i got that i was like thinking how did i say it? i couldn't even remember but the first words the holy spirit said was it's not about being right it's about being righteous mm-hmm. and so you don't have to stand on but i was right to do that you know it's like that at, at that very point where you can come and say hey you know i i totally acknowledge that that this is can we can we reconcile? Can we, you know? And and it's not actually about putting it on anyone else. It's just like what was in my heart, you know. And and what is it that you are you are building? Because it's not about just being right. And if we can, you know, that that really helps us in life a lot. Because there's a lot of times when you know you are so sure that you're right, and it. But it, it might be that that's not coming across out of a heart that's listening and able to hear um, what someone else is saying so you're actually missing each other you know
0: because you can be right about something but be wrong you know like you can be you can be right in an argument and literally have all of the facts and be right particularly in marriage right you know you can be you can be so you can be so totally right in an argument but be wrong in your attitude and your presentation like and your reasoning behind why you're right you've actually just made yourself wrong you know like because right because righteousness isn't about the the facts right you know, like, when did, when did Jesus ever talk about the facts? It talked about the truth and being formed in the truth and the truth being formed in us and the spirit of truth living within us, you know? And so I think that that, like you're saying, is, is the goal, eh, you know? is not to be right, it's to be righteous, you know? And I think being right and things being fair are often, like, the absolute, the, they're the opposite of the kingdom way, eh, you know? Like Paul demonstrated before, you know, if you want what's fair, well, then you can have death, literal, like spiritual death and physical death, you know, because everything that God gives is on the basis of mercy, not on the basis of fairness. You know, not only are we justified because of his mercy, but everything that he gives, he says, you know, what, um, um, you know, what, what um, father, when his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Right? Or when asks for a fish, we'll give him a, steak, a snake. And you, <laughs> a snake. That'll be an upgrade, eh? That was, Sorry, a, guys. That, that was a mistake. That was a, that was a test. You, you pass, you're listening. You nailed it. <laughs> But you see what I'm saying, you know? He's, what, he's, what he's saying is that everything that I give is on the basis of mercy, not on fairness, you know? If you really, uh, if you really want fairness, then you can have it, you know? And, it's, and it's, it literally is death, separation from God, eternity apart from God, no life, frustration, bitterness, anger. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the fear consequence of the fall, but the entire gospel isn't on the basis of fairness, thank goodness. You know, it's on the basis of mercy and receiving life that wasn't deserved, you know? And a bigger and a grace that covers even was it even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, you know. That's how we entered into this thing. And he says, If if that's how we've started, how much more will he give us all things, you know? And so don't be so quick to look for what's fair and what's right you know <laughs> look for what's merciful for what's undeserved what's full of grace and we, we can't just expect that from others that's for us to to enter into and, and to be ourselves same all right should we look at do we have any questions Are any questions at this stage questions or comments For the recording, why is mercy classed as a gift? Really. So I, I feel like it's the same. It's, great. it's a great question. I feel like it's the same for hospitality and administration that we've looked at over the past weeks. That, you know, like it's God that gives the gifts, and He gives different gifts to the body, and, and different people in the body have a different grace on them to function in a particular way. So just like we talked about the other week with administration, there's people in the body who have a certain kind of gracing to be able to function in this administrative administrative capacity. It's the same with mercy, is that there'll be some people who have a particular kind of grace on them to to act and demonstrate and live out mercy. But just like administration, just like hospitality, just like mercy, the gifts are given and one person might have a particular grace, but it's for actually the, the whole body to then enter into. Um, and while one person might demonstrate it in a particular, it might be a strength of theirs, they're really an example to the body of who we ought to be, you know. So it's a it's a gift. It's a certain grace that particular people have, but it's also
3: something for us to all mature into. That's my personal opinion.
2: Can you talk about the Vicar of Baghdad?
3: There's there's several actually. Um, number one, the gifting of grace. You think of Mother Teresa, who had that mercy merciful gift to reach out in compassion to a lot of people, you know, thousands and thousands of people in India and, um, you know, not everybody has that grace to to live the lifestyle that she lived, but she demonstrated what it was to show compassion and love and mercy and uh, it's interesting because the same time she died, just beforehand uh, Lady Diana Spencer died, so he had the, the two people like that, now Lady Diana Spencer of course, she did a lot of good works and showed a lot of different things, but it was out of her own strength and effort, whereas Mother Teresa, she did it out of the love that God had placed within her, and it was such a black and white situation really. The other one is the vicar of Baghdad, I don't know whether you've ever heard of him, uh, an incredible guy who uh, was asked by Saddam Hussein to go over and establish a church in Baghdad, he was English, and so he went as a vicar, and um he, he just was full of love for people and compassion and mercy and like that. It was interesting, the conversations that the, the um, interviewer spoke to him about and said to him, you know, you set up a school, you set up a, a hospital, you set up this, this, and this. And he said, no, that, that's not why I actually went. I just simply went to love. And out of those things came those things. They were just things that happened. As a result of that, but he said it was pr- it was just out of love, and showing the mercy and the life like that that came. Everything else seemed irrelevant. It was just what was in his heart, powerful. You
1: know, the the question was, why is it a gift? And I, uh, you know, uh, James, is it I think says that um, uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. And so as we sort of looked at before, that uh, the judgment is given. It says, for, the, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever um, believes on him will have eternal life. Then it goes on to say, For the Son of Man did not come to judge or condemn the world, he came to save it. Because the world already stands Judged and condemned under under the power of sin. That's where we stand. So what has to take place? It's the direct attribute of God to extend mercy in that not only while we were yet sinners, we were enemies of God. You know, scarcely would a man lay down his life for another, maybe for a friend, how about for an enemy? And this is why we, we it takes the divine revelation to see our stance, our place, our posture before God without Christ. So that the divine nature, the attribute of the very nature of God can only be formed within us by the Holy Spirit to extend this mercy out. And you know when you're saying before and we were talking about it in our um, discipleship group after you mention it in the in the message about the, the um, story that Sandra was recounting before about the, the king who um, extended mercy. This is okay. Look, I'll wipe your debt. So, and I said it earlier on. The guy was a recipient of mercy. You can't say he didn't receive it. He he got mercy. Passed out towards us So he was a recipient and he came under it But he never received it in him So that now becomes His nature too That he would then turn around and say And rightly you owe me money Because he did So cough up So now I'm a recipient of but not a receiver of Because I'm not actually now extending Because I couldn't help extend The same grace to you and that's why it's a gift. It's something that's empowered in the spirit to happen inside. I think that's such a good example
0: of he was right, but he was wrong. You know, He was right factually in that the guy owed him money, but he was wrong in his approach and you know, application. I
3: just thought it would be interesting to ask at what point it goes from being a recipient to a receiver.
1: When there's opportunity to express it, and I think you know the, the in the parable here, like you're saying, he didn't wake up this in the morning, said, mm, oh, "I'm a good Samaritan. <laughs> I am looking for opportunity to extend mercy." And so it was f- it, because it's part of him as he walked along. Ah, oh, yes. mercy was expressed. I think this is a. F- I
0: feel like this is a fantastic question because it touches on the heartbeat of the, the gospel itself. How do we go from having received God's grace to being transformed into His nature? You know, and I think this is the this is the challenge that the Israelites faced. They received mercy upon mercy. They came out of the Red Sea. They saw the miracles, but they never entered into His rest. You know, and Hebrews gives us the answer, and it says that. Um, that um, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and test the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know? um, and I think that this is what the Word of God does, you know? and that we, we need not just to receive the, you know, the words of God, but the Word of God within us. You know? And that, um, that what He's done for us, there, there needs like you're saying, there needs to be a transaction between this being out there And it being in here, and it comes from receiving the word, you know, receiving the word within us. It it goes from being just a nice story to the very substance of Christ that's imparted into us, you know. Um, And it's just like like with Mary, you know, who, um, you know, um, uh, um, she says, May it be done to me according to your word, you know, and Christ. The seed of Christ was formed in her and in her womb, you know. Um and so I think to me it's um it's the word of God within us that does that.
2: The other thing is I think that um God makes sure that there's a way to test what's there. <laughs> you know, Sa- Sam-, Sam talked about the the um asleep in the boat in a storm. Yeah. Well, how's he gonna how's he gonna test whether that's been <laughs> formed? You know, you're gonna go through a few storms, aren't you, you know? So, and, and I think the thing is to to remember, like, our our heart is, it's, it's open to him, and to stay in that place of open to him, to receive what he's saying, and instead of our mind constantly, what's the best thing in this situation, it's like, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? You know, it's asking different questions, I think, and that's, you know, that's, to me that's how, how we receive from him instead of having the mindset that I used to have which was all trying to work out what was the right thing it's like asking a totally different question now so it's like what are you saying to me You know, aside from anything else that might be happening with anyone else what are you saying to me you know, and, and, and what, what of you isn't formed that you want to form now you know and and that's cool it's because it because that means that he can he's got access yeah. and that word can come in and it can do its work because it can't happen any other way mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Is yeah. oh I just um, I was just thinking about um, this this gentleman over here, his question earlier about, or more of a statement about um, Mother Teresa or even the vicar of Baghdad. So being an ex-Catholic myself, I Mother Teresa is someone I learnt a lot about, so I feel like I can just say a little bit to add to that. She was someone that believed that, that we could attain salvation through works. So since the topic tonight is mercy, how much mercy would be applied to woman who says that we can be saved by works as opposed to saved by grace that's and if what what, what would how would you guys reflect on that because yeah cool I normally just pass
0: hard questions on to Paul <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's just for the recording right? for the recording
4: okay so another question just to add to that I was, sorry I, I'm not trying to bully this in any way but I'm thinking about the, the vicar of Baghdad as well because he's um, I can't remember the terminology but he um, he's someone so he's someone that I looked at as well um, but he has hopped onto this whole thing of the you know the, the unity train in which Muslims and Catholics and Christianity can be all united together to stand against a common enemy now once again how much mercy and grace can be applied to those ideas are they are those ideas so um, I mean are they so tiny that they don't are they ideas that don't actually matter or are these quite controversial enough to you know can they rock the boat of salvation for us as genuine believers in Christ so that's yeah
1: yeah this is where I normally will give the answer in tongues and you've got to get them perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there, you know there there are a number of. In fact, it depends how you answer this one, ex-Catholics because from a Catholic doctrine, um, we're all ex-Catholics, your fallen brethren. Um, and just waiting to see the light and come in, and so you know I was I was brought up Catholic, um, and you know to answer your question, and I, I, I hope this will answer it for you without directly answering it. Because I can't Mm. I don't know her heart Only the Father does And I'm not called to judge her Mm. I'm called to extend love Mm. I might need to make discernment Between something like the second part of your question Mm. And where there may be error Is it right to address it? Paul certainly believed it was As he addressed Peter Was it right for Peter to be addressed? Yes, it was. There was some time period between Peter standing up and declaring and speaking the message, the word from the Old Testament prophet, Joel, and thousands being saved to a time where Paul needed to address Peter and say, what are you doing? So was there an issue that needed to be resolved? Yes, there was. What was revealed in Peter was humility that had been addressed in the garden, that he was able to take that on board and realise, actually, I've shifted somewhere, I need to come back in alignment. We're talking about Peter here, not some greenhorn Christian. So there is an ability for alignment to have to come. There is the ability for mercy to be extended. There is ability for a person to actually have to um, work some things through. Was Mother Teresa operating out of um, the Holy Spirit through mercy in her? I'm not going to judge her on that. I certainly look at her actions and go, "My goodness, that woman certainly gave up her own life and was extending mercy to others." Um, I, I, look, I'll tell you one thing from a from a um, from a personal encounter with the Lord over this. When my mother passed away, I, I asked well, her, what am I supposed to believe now? I mean, I'm a born-again believer. I believe in, in salvation through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. I was brought up Catholic. What am I to do for my mum, who brought up Catholic, lived a Catholic life and died a Catholic? And I said, well, what am I going to do now? And then Father just gently spoke to me and said, What is what what do they what do they believe? What do Catholics believe? What's the basic tenets of their faith? Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, salvation through Jesus Christ. Hmm. Well, what about all the other Catholic Klingons? And this is what the Lord's be- What about your Baptist Klingons? <laughs> I'll, what? <laughs> there can't be such a thing, can there? Thought, this was what? Was, what? That can't be. Right. He said, "Is that right?" Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, now I can't change anything for my mum. Mm-hmm. What I can do, he says, "Will you lay her into my hands?" Yeah, Otherwise, I'm going to go in a tailspin. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Father, I will. I don't, that's it's not where it finished, Paul. <laughs> what about your Baptist Klingons? Oh. Okay, we'll deal with that as we as we journey together. You know? So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I
0: my my personal opinion is, you know, people can only like operate to the measure of revelation that they have, you know. And so for Mother Teresa I'm not sure if, I don't know enough about her um to know whether she was operating out of a, a workspace mentality. Like I, I know for myself personally, like it doesn't. No? doesn't. Yeah, you know, I've 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 been through that and it's and it's taken a toll on me and so I I I feel like I've received something from the Holy Spirit and that's something that's greater that than that, knowing that I can operate from a new power and a new life source within me. And so now that I know that I can run in my lane. But people can't, you know, if like people can only operate to the measure that they know. And if she and so I I I won't operate by works. And if I the Holy Spirit reveals that I am, then there's opportunity to repent. And I won't teach people to operate from works for their salvation or for their transformation, you know, um, because that's against what I believe and what I know, you know. But for another person to do that, like, the Holy Spirit might provide an opportunity to walk with people and, and then that's great, but... I think if it's people that we that we don't know, it's really hard to be able to make that judgment call. You know, um, I know like for my 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 granddad is a classic one. You know, he was a a missionary and a pastor and a preacher his entire life, and then in his seventies he he walked away from his faith and decided that he didn't believe in Jesus anymore. That Jesus was the Son of God; he was just a good person. Now, now what would what would you say about him? You see what I'm saying, like. To to me, I, what, where I came to was well. Actually, I'm I'm not God. I don't know the deep rooted, like place in his heart that only God can see and judge. At at the end of the day, God will bring that to light, you know. But him and how he operated and where he came to is is not going to determine me running in my lane, you know. And I'm going to run hard to the measure of Christ that I know, and I'm not going to let anyone else's. Um, Lack or inability or struggles take away from what I see and what I know, and does does that make sense? And so, yeah, she may or may not have been operating by the spirit. I'm not sure, but we can make sure that we run according yeah. to to what we know. You know, um, so that's yeah,
1: that's kind of how I see it. And it kind of fits the parable in the sense because the priests. I mean, you can almost picture them. Oh walk to the other side of the road and if you pull in what you were saying before and then pull out their little bags of gum and spices and measure out what needs to be offered and given and that. Meanwhile, the guy on the other side of the road is like, what excuse me, I'm just measuring out my spice because this must be offered to the Lord. You
3: know,
1: That's good. You know, it kind of doesn't make sense, does it?
0: And God is merciful, eh? Like, that's what we've been looking at tonight, you know? Um, and, and that, you know, like, there, there's some really, like, strong warnings in the scripture, but there's also some incredible moments of mercy, you know? And so we don't know what that will, what that will look like for, for people like that in, in the future, you know? Um, great question, by the way. That's cool. All right. Is that us? Yeah. Cool.